Good morning. Good morning. Well, uh, in our pastor's meeting this coming week, you can bet that I will tell them that Naomi Tepper should take my spot giving announcements. That was absolutely beautiful. Naomi, so genuine. Uh, She was here. She must have slipped out, but uh, that was wonderful. We are talking about uh, encountering God in worship uh, today. And to kick that off, I have asked Kim Price if she would come up here and share with us. Kim, if you'll come up. Well, yeah, give her a warm welcome. And I'm going to hand her the mic, and she is going to share her heart. Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Wow, his presence is so grand. Oh, my gosh. It's like I can't even breathe. (laughs) Just don't turn the waterworks on, Lord. Just wait just a few minutes. (laughs) Um, So I really just want to start off saying, really, to you guys, thank you so much. Um, You guys have really been such a blessing to my family um, to grow up with such a beautiful church family and to be able to worship with you guys, the privilege that we have every Sunday morning is just, it's really an important part of our lives. And you guys have impacted us so greatly. So I just want to say thank you for that. Um, when Michael asked me to share a few weeks ago on a worship, it was somewhat difficult to try to narrow down, you know, what aspect of worship really to share with you guys. Because to be honest, if you think about it, really our whole lives should be an act of worship. Um, I know we're accustomed to to the physical act of praising God and giving him thanks, which is incredible. But, you know, there are those moments where we're supposed to serve others and we're supposed to, you know, pray for, pray for sickness and we're supposed to, you know, share with the needy and, and give tithes. And so those are all really good examples of, of worship as well, and they're all meant to glorify God. And so, um, but I really feel like today that I'm supposed to share on really what I think is just foundational for worship um, that really shapes our lives, and that is uh, worshiping him in your secret place, um, one-on-one time with God in that sacred time and space that you set aside each day just to sit and be with him, where you minister to his heart and he ministers to your heart. So just to give you guys a little bit of background, just a quick background on, on me, I grew up in this church from the time I was a little baby and um, was saved by Jesus when I was six years old in Sunday school class here at church. Um, some of you guys might have babysat for me, I don't know. <laughs> see some of you guys nodding your head. I won't tell you how old I am. but <laughs> And um, I think the first time I sang up here, I was probably eight years old, just ridiculously nervous, a huge ball of nerves. And Pastor Jim, where are you at? Pastor Jim paid for me, <laughs> prayed for me, and I was completely fine after that. So thank you, Pastor Jim. <laughs> um, But I want to ask you guys, in your walk with the Lord, in your journey with the Lord, do you remember that time that you just fell in love with Jesus? That time you can remember where you just were head over heels in love with God. You may have even had the ugly cries. I mean, (laughs) I know I did. You know, just that the creator God of the universe, who was all-knowing, all-seeing, you know, all-powerful, who knew us before the foundations of the earth, who called us by name, who set us apart. We were created for such a time as this, you know. And he, you know, is, is handling everybody's problems all at once. Like, how do you do that? Yet, he still cares about every detail 
of our lives, you know, and he is shaping things, you know, making things fall into place. And so I think that's just such a huge revelation when you, you know, have that awakening of, of who God is in your life. And so um, I just began to fall deeper and deeper in love with the Father. And so uh, my times of worship on the outside started to reflect what I was experiencing on the inside. And so I got to where... You know, I just wanted to carve out more and more time just to be in his presence. I mean, his manifest presence. I know we're always in his presence, but, you know, that peace that passes all understanding, you know, that joy of the Lord, I wanted that more and more. And so uh, every morning I would just carve out time just to praise him and give thanksgiving. I love Psalm 92, which talks about, um, you know, singing of his love in the morning and in the evening singing of his faithfulness. So you know, all the sides of Jesus and of God, you know, just give him praise for that and give him glory for that. And then other times, you know, just to be still in his presence, you know, um, just to wait on him. It's really hard for us to do, I think, as a culture. You know, we're so accustomed to just filling up every space, you know. We're just go, go, go. And so just to find those times, just be still and wait on the Lord is so important because I find that's when I hear from him the best. You know, I always try to pray, let me have eyes to see you, ears to hear you, Lord. You know, what are you telling me in this situation? Let me always keep my antenna up. <laughs> I don't want to miss anything. And then there's, you know, those times where I just feel really dry in worship and just come before the Lord and feel like I have nothing to give, God. You know, I know that I love to worship you. And so I'll open up his word, you know, and turn to the book of Psalms and just read his word back to him or sing his word back to him. He loves that and he honors that, you know. Nothing is wasted in his presence. Um, and so I just really want to encourage you guys, you know, we, we can't survive off of just Sunday morning worship. Believe me, it's my favorite time of the week. I love worshiping with you guys. And, and, uh, but we are created for, for worship, you know, with our whole being. And so those encounters that you have with God in your secret place, they matter and they make an impact. You know, not just for yourself, but in your circumstances and in the world around you. And suddenly you get new perspectives on things and your circumstances don't seem to be like you think they are, you know. And so he's right there with you along the way, just to always drawing you closer and closer to him. So I just want to encourage you guys, carve out that time during the day. Um, even if it's not all at once, you know, multiple times, you know, get in your car and just lift his name. Thank you, God. You are worthy of praise, Lord, and I just want to honor you today. And um, sometimes you have to fight for it. I know I have to fight for it. You know, once the enemy sees that he's lost your attention, he's going to be right there trying to distract you. So just worship through it. <laughs> That's what I love to do. So I um, just want to encourage you guys with that. And, and I want to read you my favorite psalm, which is Psalm 150, um, which I love because... It doesn't just encourage us to praise. Like, it doesn't just say, if you feel like praising the Lord today, go on and do it. Or, you know, if you feel like praising God in his sanctuary, just go on and give it a try. It, it commands us to praise. So I love that. Um, and it says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, guys.
you may or may not know it, but uh, Travis is sitting right back here behind Al Samina. This is Kim's uh, husband, and he's probably running the soundboard from there, I would guess. And, uh, you know, one of the things I love about both Travis and Kim is when they get up here, it is so genuine. You know, it's so real. And I think it's because it is rooted in that secret place worship that she was talking about. You know, they get up here and sing, and it's just like, wow, powerful. So thank you guys, Travis. Thank you. Um, so we're talking about encountering God in worship. And, you know, if I self-disclosed here a minute, um, I would tell you that I have a, a strength in the area of seeing a vision and aligning people and sort of kind of captaining the team and let's go for it. We can accomplish this thing. And as you know, all strengths have accompanying weaknesses or downsides, Right? Come on, we all know that. So some of my weaknesses uh, that, that accompany my strength um, are I can get a little bit impatient with the process. I want to arrive. Come on. I can get a little bit intense, you know, and I'm, you know, come on, we've got we to do this. We've got to make it happen. And, you know, when I was younger, there was a season that I went through where uh, worship was not coming naturally because it didn't fit in my sort of box of making it happen. Make sense? And interesting thing, when I was, um, I think I was 15, 16, 17, somewhere in there, there was a worship pastor at the Vineyard Church down the road. Some of you probably know him, but his name was, is Tom Camacho. And Tom now pastors a church, um, I think he's up near Black Mountain, North Carolina, but um, he played a guitar. And, you know, I think he would probably candidly tell you, I may not be the best guitar player or the best singer, but something happened when he strummed that guitar and he began to worship God. And this shift began to happen sort of in my own heart where, where I was kind of bottlenecked on worship. All of a sudden, worship became this place to intimately interact with God. It was like another tool in my tool belt to reading the Word or to interacting you know, with people, to praying. Worship became this powerful personal time to both minister to God and let Him minister to me. You know, I don't know where you all are on worship this morning. Some people might prefer to call it singing. Even worship can sound maybe cumbersome or unusual. But, you know, worship styles can differ. There's people in our house, in this congregation, that would probably prefer the organ back here and the hymnals. There's people who would prefer to have a light bar and an electric guitar, right? There's some people who were getting into the third song and the fourth song, and, you know, we're actually winding worship down, and we're getting ready to go into the preaching, and they're like, oh, come on, can we just keep worshiping? You know, there's other people who are like, you know, why do we worship so long? Can't we just do like two songs and get on down to the Word? Come on, if we're honest, you know, I, I know when you laugh, you're engaging with, with which one I'm saying. So, you know, I'm glad. We, we, we go all the way across the board, and it's a beautiful, beautiful mixture we have here. You know, I've heard people say, why do some of the younger people, like, sing the same thing like 17 times? I got a great laugh first service out of that. In fact, two people raised up their hand and said, why do they? I said, we're coming to that. I'm glad you're interested in what I'm getting ready to preach on. Welcome. Pull up a chair. Let's talk. 
you know, but no matter where you are, uh, little little aside, but um, Abby and I are, uh, Matt here actually, Matt George, our youth pastor, got us into watching this little teeny bopper thing on Netflix called Friday Night Lights. And I don't know if you know it or not, but as part of Friday Night Lights, um, there's a girl, it's a football town and high school, college age, and there's this girl who gets uh, saved in the, in the like, TV show or whatever. And every time they show her at church, I mean, I just die. Because they've taken kind of a, you know, charismatic blended church, and there's people with their hands up, and, you know, there's people kind of, you know, they always show worship. And it's funny to think about what we might look like from the outside. You know, if you're not in the club and you walk in here and you're like, what are all these people doing? You know, and I, I just, I can't help. Every time that little, that episode, or we see that little part where they show the inside of the church, I'm pointing at my wife, Abby, up here. You know, I just can't help but laugh, because I sit on the front every week, and I'm like, oh, yes, Lord. You know, I got my sway on and my hand in the air. You know, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Praise the Lord. But, you know, wherever you are on the worship spectrum, wherever you your opinions or your thoughts or your whatever. Uh, Let's pause all that a minute and let's shift our eyes to the Scripture and see what God has to say about worship. I'm in Acts 16. Uh, Naomi actually referenced it in her intro, which I don't think she knew I was preaching on that. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, I'm in Acts 16, and I'm going to start reading in verse 16. This is Paul and Silas. Let's pick it up. Verse 16. Once when we, Paul and Silas, were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit which predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by her fortune-telling. I'm not going to get off here too much, but... You know, have you ever driven to like Myrtle Beach or those different places and you see a little, you know, tarot card place over here or, you know, see your, get your fortune over here. You know, they're kind of these little funny hole in the walls and you always drive by and you're kind of like, what in the world is that? There's obviously some truth to that. A spirit is literally working through this girl telling people's fortunes. Verse 17. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. I love this part because this spirit working through her is telling the truth. Get ready. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she keeps this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. I love that. Can I just say I love that? This encourages me in a very backwards way. Because I go, oh my goodness, there's hope for Michael. Praise Jesus. Even the Apostle Paul got annoyed. Come on, some of you laughing. I hear you. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, Lord Jesus, forgive me for being impatient. There you go. Back to that thing. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and he said to the Spirit. Very interesting here. He does not speak to the girl. Speaks to the Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. Fascinating. 
Verse 19, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and they said, these men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs that are unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. You know, I, I can't help but, but think here, I am grateful for the judicial system, albeit imperfect, that we have here in America. That we are not ruled by the mob and you can't come get drug out into the square because look what happens next. Verse 20, let's see, verse 23, I guess. End of 22, I'm sorry. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Can you imagine? Stripped and beaten with a rod. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, and he fastened their feet in stocks. That would be kind of some iron link or something that would go around their feet and prevent them from moving very far, much less escaping. About midnight... So I want you to think here. It's now midnight. These guys are in a cold, dark dungeon. They're beaten and they're bloody. You can't get hit with rods and flogged with a, probably a leather whip and not be absolutely covered with blood. I'm sure we all walked in here with something today where we're going, Oh God, why have you let this allow, have you allowed this to happen in my life? Why are you doing this to me, God? Come on, did we say those things? So here it is, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, sometimes I get in a funk. You ever get in a funk? You know what I'm talking about with that word? I just get gnarly inside. I don't know why it happens. You just get, Kim even said it, you get a little, your heart gets kind of dry and crusty, you know, and it's like, I don't know, all of a sudden your heart isn't tender and soft to the Lord or the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden you're in a funk. Paul and Silas were probably in a pretty serious funk. One of the things I've learned about myself is, you know, I can't pray myself out of a funk. I've tried, I can't do it. I oftentimes can't read, even the Bible, can't read myself out of a funk. I can't usually talk to someone or get encouraged out of a funk. You know what I have to do? I gotta worship. And it's not a particular song. It might be something contemporary, it might be a hymn, there might be no music at all. But in order to move out of that place when I'm in a funk, I have got to begin to humble myself before God. Repent of my own hardness in my heart, the own, my own dryness, my own frustration, my own annoyance, whatever it is. And begin to invite him in and begin to worship him with, Lord Jesus, I just praise you. I'm not going to go into detail here, but Abby and I were, were, just, were dealing with something last night, just the two of us after the kids were in bed. And it wasn't between us. We were dealing with something out beyond our family. And, but we were in a little bit of a funk. Weren't we, baby? And I looked at her and I said, oh, this is great. God just, he loves to test me on what I'm about to preach on in the morning. I mean, I was just like, oh, Lord Jesus. 
And we sat there and we prayed. I just went, Lord, I'm bothered, I'm confused, I'm frustrated, I'm concerned, I'm scared, I'm anxious. Would you help us here? I praise you. We worship you in the middle of this tough situation. We praise you in the middle of this tough situation. We feel like our feet are in shackles in this situation and we can't do anything about it, but we are going to start worshiping you in spite of it. Let's look at verse 26. It starts off and it says, Suddenly. I love suddenlies in Scripture because God's about to do something. Suddenly. You know, in this case, Paul and Silas, when God suddenly shows up, it doesn't matter if it's a hymn or an organ or electric guitar or there's a light bar. It doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter if we sing the stanza 28 times. It doesn't matter if we want to just do hymns. Nothing matters. What matters is that worship is flowing from an attitude of the heart. That's worship. That's worship. See, in those moments, you know, if you're hung up on style, can I just, I'll probably step on a toe here and that's okay. If you're hung up on style, you're focused on the issue, the problem, the people, instead of on God. Get your eyes off the style. Get your eyes on Him. And it doesn't matter what style we use. It can be a mandolin or an organ or anything in between. Worship God. So these guys are sitting in here, beat up, bloody, in verse 26. And it says, suddenly there was a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. I love that. At once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword. He was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners escaped. Here's Paul, bloodied, beat up, and shackled by this dude, right? You think he cares a rip about this guy? I probably wouldn't. I may not have said anything. Let's be honest. Look what Paul says. Verse 28. Paul shouts, no, man, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Nobody's left. We haven't escaped. See, what happens here is that worship... And if you write one thing down on your bulletin, this is it. Here is the central point. Worship is a conduit of heaven. I brought a prop today. Some of you know, but I'm a landscaper by trade. And I brought a piece of conduit. So on my days off from Myrtle Grove, you can often find me out in the field getting dirty. But I brought a piece of conduit because worship is truly a conduit of heaven. Think back with me a second to the Lord's Prayer. We don't need to go there. We don't need to even read it. Remember that part where he says, on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how do you get stuff here on earth to happen like it is in heaven? One of the ways is you begin to worship. You plug into this heavenly reality and it can literally funnel the presence of God into your lives. 
You following me? See, see, what worship does is it creates this time and it creates space by which the Holy Spirit can then begin to work on your heart. If you're like me and you come to God and you're, you're crusty or you're dry or you're grumpy or you're in a funk or whatever, you, whatever words you want to put on it, you've got to clear that out so you can begin to hear and see and listen to the voice of God. And worship is the thing that begins to clear that out so that you can both minister to God and He can minister to you. There's sometimes I can't even see straight until I begin to humble myself and plug in to that greater spiritual reality. Lord, what's going on? Abby and I did that last night. We went, Lord, we don't understand all this. But we submit to you and we praise you, Lord, in the middle of it. We are going to worship you and we are going to be thankful to you for what you're doing in spite of what we don't understand. In spite of what doesn't feel good. If we were honest and we went around this room, I think every one of you could name one to three things on this very day that you feel shackled to, in bondage over, frustrated about, scared of. How do you move through that stuff? How do you get over it? How do you keep living? Amen. Worship is that conduit of heaven. Humble yourself. Plug in. See, worship is not people-focused, and it is not problem-focused. It is God-focused. And if you're like me, the things you get hung up on are usually people or problems. And we, we somehow miss everything. And yet when we truly focus on Him and worship Him, all that other stuff sort of fades away. Worship will shift your circum... Will, worship will not always shift your circumstances. I'm not telling you that today. It did in Paul and Silas's situation. It shifted their physical circumstances. Worship will not always do that for you. It will sometimes. But here's what it will do every time. It will shift your perspective. It will shift your outlook. And see, when your perspective shifts and your outlook shifts, all of a sudden what you're thinking about shifts, and the way you're making decisions shifts, and the way you're relating to the people around you shifts, and what then begins to shift? Your circumstances. See what I'm saying? Shift your perspective by encountering God. Plug into that worship as that conduit of heaven. And let him change you. Let's go back to our verse. We're in 29, I think. So just to remember, just to, to reminder, back in verse 28, the, the guy, the, the, all the shackles come off, doors are wide open in the prison, guard pulls out his sword, he's about to kill himself. Paul goes, no, man, don't do it. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights, and he rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out of that prison room and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I love that. Worship is rescuing, changing, interceding. But if Paul and Silas were bitter and angry and hateful and if they didn't humble themselves and begin to worship in that situation, would it have happened? No, wouldn't have happened. How many times... 
just say this. How many times do we miss the best God has for us in any given day because we're so busy grumbling and griping and being scared and being anxious instead of plugging into that worship as a conduit of heaven and asking God to both shift our perspective and change our circumstances? Follow me? Verse 31, Paul and Silas replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Verse 32, Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and he washed their wounds. Is that beautiful? Guy cleaned all the blood and probably scabs and who knows what. I mean, just dirt and filth off these guys. Immediately, he and all of his household were baptized. They didn't waste any time, did they? Let's get on with this thing. The jailer brought them into his house, and he set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his entire household. What if Paul and Silas had not welcomed God into their situation through worship, being a conduit of heaven? This guy wouldn't have been saved. See, we have an opportunity with every bit of pain, with every bit of difficulty, with every challenge in our life. God is giving us an opportunity by which we can welcome his presence and intervention into our lives. And you'll choose every situation. I'm going to welcome him in or I'm going to shut him out. I'm angry at you, God. Come on. We do that. I do that. You know, I want to get practical. I want to now go, okay, so this is good. We read about Paul and Silas. Let's make the application to us. What's this mean? So what? What am I going to live like on Monday and Tuesday, right? You know, I don't know if you're exactly like me, but when I get up in the morning, I get up early usually, and I find that in the first four, five, ten minutes when my brain clicks on, I come back to consciousness, the top three or four things that I am most anxious about, that I am most afraid of, that I am most upset about, run through my head. You guys feel that way? Like, you ever seen those, um, for whatever reason, the letters always seem to be red, but there's like these red letters on the, the electronic signs, and it's like, you know, and they, they just run through. My brain feels like that in the morning. You know, it's like the top thing. Oh, you know, and it, it's like the enemy just comes. Michael's afraid here. He's upset here. He's anxious about this. And I'm just going to, he's going to come nail me in the morning. Here's the challenge. For the next seven mornings, I'm not saying for the rest of your life. I'm not saying for a month. I'm asking you for seven mornings. Today's Sunday. Seventh day would be next Sunday. When your brain clicks in and you start the woe is me's or you start the I'm angry's or you start the I'm scared's or you start the I feel rejected or you start the I can't believe God's doing this to me or you start the where is God. Instead of continuing down that road, call a timeout. And let worship be a conduit 
of heaven. You don't need music. You don't have to press play on your iPod. You can do it right there. That's what I start. Lord Jesus, I worship you for that situation I'm anxious about. I worship you because I don't see it yet, but I believe you're going to do something good through it and as a result of it. Not even in spite of it. Because of it. You know, can you imagine if as people, if as families, if as business owners, if as people in the church, if instead of fussing and being angry and being anxious and all the things we do, can you imagine what our lives and our families and our businesses might look like if we literally called that time out and invited God in? Or change not only my perspective, but shift my circumstances. The next seven mornings, will you spend two, three, four minutes? It doesn't have to be long. Call a timeout, and you begin to worship God. Lord, I worship you, and you fill in the blank. You know, in America, we are often self-absorbed. Yeah? Even self-centered. Come on. That's not just an American problem, but we see it here a lot. And there's something beautiful that happens about worship because it gets our eyes off of our own belly button. Yeah. I'm going to invite our worship team back up, Judd and Dean, Joseph. I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to sing a song together, and then I'm going to close us. You can stand up. We are going to invite God to be that conduit into our lives, into every circumstance. Lord Jesus, as we're just pausing here a minute, we just wait on you a second. Father, we've all come in here today probably with some impossible things as Naomi prayed, some challenging things, some painful things, some difficult things. And yet, God, we know that worship truly is a conduit where you, Holy Spirit, can work in our lives. You can shift our perspectives. You can change our circumstances. So, God, as we sing this song, we invite you to intersect our hearts and our minds.